1: Alright, we are, you guys might have caught the end of that underwear talk there, maybe I'll just leave that in anyways, just for fun, uh, so we are live, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch and YouTube, this will technically be our Monday, the, what what is Monday, the 22nd episode when you guys get this on the podcast, uh, Dennis and Matt are with me as we're doing a podcast about the NFC West, we're talking about San Francisco and Seattle today, how you guys doing today on this lovely Friday?
2: Man, I've had a great day. I did some mudding on the walls of the podcast cave that I'm building. Uh, went out and jumped in the pool, so my hair's all kind of messed up now. Not that it ever isn't messed up, but because uh, I'm old and don't give a shit. Uh, but I'm having a great day.
3: Yeah, I did. Uh, um, I for Christmas present, I got my wife two introductory ballroom dance lessons for us to try because she's wanted to do it. and We continued. We like the teacher, so. We had our every other week uh, ballroom dance lesson today.
1: Very nice. Very nice. It's not a good thing. I'm glad my wife doesn't watch this show because then she would expect me to do stuff like that for her. And I'm not – I've got two left feet. I'm not really much of a dancer, so.
3: No, it's it's not exactly my comfort zone, but, you know, I do this two or three or soon to be five times a week plus – a lot of other work and a lot of yeah. other, uh, you know, I, I may have just watched. Something's got to give. I may yeah, have watched 13 to. Star Trek movies in the last two weeks. So, you know, you got to give an hour at least a week. Oh,
1: yeah. I I understand. Once once that like Saturday afternoon point rolls around where it's time for <laughs> when I call Paula time. that's a, It's all her all, all day Saturday, Sunday, especially now when there's not much going on. Luckily for me, at least. You know, we don't have any sports because then that's when it becomes hard. So I'm like, but but baseball, I want to watch the baseball game. So, yeah. All right. We are going to do start the NFC West. We'll, we'll finish it up next. I feel like today's a Monday show. The Monday after the 22nd, which would be 29th. Yeah, I guess 7 plus 2 is 29. Yeah, that makes sense. I don't know why I would. Well, me know
3: because July 1st is a Wednesday. So, you know. I-
1: Oh, I know because Fourth of Friday, which means you got that nice long weekend, like I have coming up today. It's a Saturday.
3: It's a Saturday. It's weird. Fourth is a Saturday. No, Fourth is a Friday. Yeah. Saturday. No, the third is a Friday.
1: What? The? Well, I'm off Fridays, so that's all. Yeah, that I, I think
3: care about. At most people's nat- the national holiday observance is Friday. In the
1: yeah, Thursday. that's all I care about. Is I got a long weekend this weekend, and then a long weekend weekend two weeks later i'm super excited about it but but enough about us let's let's talk about the san francisco 49ers who went 13 and one last year and lost into the super bowl as uh, we all saw really actually i thought a pretty good super bowl compared to the one that we saw the year prior which was patriot was that right patriots rams was the year prior
3: the the 10-3 debacle
2: i love the patriots rams super bowl did you i'm i'm all about great defense
3: I, was yeah. gonna, I thought you were about to say you were really tired that day and you were able to nap through three quarters and not miss any good
1: <laughs> no. commercials. Or but I'm quarters.
2: also that, that kid who used to love a one nothing baseball game too.
1: I mean, I do love myself a good one nothing baseball game. I think there's a lot okay. of... Uh... Dry usually
3: just means the uh, baseball game is also a crisp like two hours and twenty minutes as opposed that to is true that, that is are.
1: usually true as well, so that there's a, the the best side of both there but uh so jimmy g there's been a lot of talk about him, you know Tony mentioned on the podcast yesterday there was a lot of talk that the forty nine ers were looking at bringing in Tom Brady this year. Do you guys think that Jimmy G is the QB of the future for the 49ers? Uh, his cap hit after this year is just a 2.8 million cap hit if they let him go. Think he is the future of the 49ers?
2: Well, I mean, if if not him, who? Trevor Lawrence. You, you know, it, 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 it comes down to what the opportunities are. If, uh, if I can get Trevor Lawrence, then no, Jimmy's not the future. <laughs> uh, but if if all I can get is Tyrod Taylor – Jimmy's the future. So, it, you're,
1: you're, you,
2: you know, it, it's like dating. You know, you're only as beautiful as your options.
1: Yeah. That's not true. Beauty's only a light switch away, my friend. you can be just as beautiful as anybody once that light switch goes off.
3: I, I, you know, I think if the Rams, or if the, excuse me, if the 49ers, like, bottomed out and crash uh, this year, then they probably will look to move on from Jimmy G. But he was – you know we we tend to think about that he didn't throw very much in the playoffs and you know maybe didn't come up with a huge play to win the super bowl although you could argue their defense you know didn't exactly do what they had hoped to do in the in the super bowl yeah. i don't think i think some of the super bowl loss maybe unfairly got put just on him but he had a pretty successful season i mean he wasn't asked to throw a ton but in a few of those games when he had to they certainly had to duel with the Saints when they beat the Saints and outscored the Saints Jimmy G had to throw the ball up and down the field to help them win that game and he finished you know that we're about to talk about it he finished better than you think yeah you know like where we had him ranked is still where yet when we talked about that yesterday is still where I would have him ranked but you know he he had a very successful year and it was his first full year as a starter too. You know, he had a lot of the time where he was sitting behind Brady got a few games at the end of one season came out, was hoping to have some big things and towards ACL in the second or third game of you know, of the, of the next season. So he, last year was his first full year as a starter. He's a, he's a longtime veteran, but if we were comparing what he did in his first Sixteen, you know, sixteen game season as a starter compared to some other guys, he had a pretty epic season.
2: Yeah, I I think that the fact that he got them to the Super Bowl uh, buys him opportunity. He fits their offense from the standpoint that they're not they're not ever going to be an air it out team. Mm-hmm. He's going to be efficient. He completed I think almost seventy percent of his passes. Uh, he did. You know, it was. They threw the ball. Gosh. They were the, They were 29th in the league in pass attempts with 478 pass attempts and second in the league in rush attempts. With, yeah,
3: Jimmy G completed 69.1% of his passes.
2: Yeah. And they rushed the ball 498 times.
3: We round up.
1: 70% sounds better.
3: I said almost seven. It would be closer to sixty nine <laughs> if
1: you were. Oh, I said we were. We round up though. We always round up. Doesn't matter how close it is. We always round up. No, there was. Um, huh, I wish I could have pulled it up. If, if I thought I known we were going to go down that route, I would have. Uh, I was listening to um, uh, the Podfather Fantasy Mansion. What is uh, what is his the Matt Under- Kelly? Order- yeah, what is Matt? underworld and they were talking about how Jimmy G is extremely underrated in the fact that if you go based on their they've got like some different stats that they kind of all like more advanced stats on accuracy he was actually the most accurate passer in the NFL last year when it came to different drop passes and everything like that had there not been the drop passes they had uh he would have been the most accurate and uh I agree with you Dennis he does fit that offense very well he he, he does a beautiful handoff so I mean it's not you know it's, he's, oh. he's really good at that
3: and again, if we give some other quarterbacks a little bit of grace when they don't have the world's most epic receiving core, Debo Samuel yep. was a rookie last year that came on toward the second half. They traded for Emmanuel Sanders in October that gave them more of a receiver. We all like Kittle, uh, but he missed some time here and there with some injuries. And beyond that, they had some you know some underachieving all stars you know like Dante Pettis. So yeah. it's not it's not like he had the Tampa Bay Buccaneers receiving core
1: either. That is very true. All right, so some of their new additions. I just added this one on here. I don't think it's going to mean much for for fantasy, but I'm a huge uh, Salvan, uh, Salvan Ahmed player uh, fan. He was a rookie out of Washington last year. I think he's a really dynamic runner, really good in the return game as well. Uh, they did sign him to a three-year deal. They traded for Trent Williams uh, during the NFL draft, and they draft-dranded. My goodness, drafted Brandon Ayuk.
2: Hey, so how can you put Salvin Ahmed Ahmed on there and yeah. not Michael Hasty, who they also signed to a three-year contract for more money yeah, than they did the, Salvin the Ahmed, right. the running back out of Baylor.
1: Ahmed's not. Are you talking about Hasty out of Baylor? Oh. I don't like Hasty. I like Ahmed. So I said, I put him on there because I like him. That's why. Um, yeah, they did. They also I, signed I Travis before. Benjamin. I thought about putting Benjamin on there, but I was like, is that really going to matter? So, Travis I just, Benjamin
3: has actually played in the NFL, so if you were rating it against funny. the other two options.
1: Well, again, I said I put Ahmed on there for me because I am a fan of Ahmed. That's why. That's why I put him on there. Uh, I said he's not going to mean anything for fantasy. I just want to throw it out there. Big fan of the guy. Maybe I can get and him
3: with the Forty ers You can't uh, yeah. guarantee he's running back not
2: going to for fantasy. Yeah.
3: So if, if you know, they have a pulse and they exist, they could end up. But on I the
1: 49ers field. it. It wouldn't that's surprise
2: fair, me if Juice check rushed for twelve hundred yards if they handed ah, him the ball yeah. two hundred and fifty yeah. times.
1: Uh, I should have put Hasty on there because there are a lot of people who liked him. I'm not a big Hasty guy, but when, when that's the my point
2: exactly.
1: There, sh- there, was a lot of people who were excited. So hasty. Are you got saying
3: on their- that Matt was a little hasty in
1: putting this list together? No, I'm that.
3: saying he was
2: biased.
1: I, mean, I was definitely biased. That is for damn sure. But I am every episode. So, all right. Uh, losses and expiring contracts. They uh, traded Marquise Goodwin to the Eagles. Right? I didn't actually put who yeah. they who we went that was to. the Eagles. Yeah. Uh, I liked Joe, your
3: comment by that one. You
1: you should follow. Yeah, that. I, yeah, could it should be a, an addition, yes, but technically he did leave the team. Um the Joe Staley retired. Uh they traded Breida to the Dolphins. I'm gonna save the Debo thing for a minute. And uh Coleman's expired Coleman's contract expires uh at the end of this season. Uh Debo, I put question mark on here. I guess it's not really could be a loss for this season. It seems like everything's saying he's gonna be back week one, right, Matt?
3: Yeah, so that's that's what's interesting. Even I was looking even among the ESPN people, Mike Clay reissued his projections showing Samuel playing nine games this year and took everybody else down. I don't know if that's when people thought it. I've seen some people report that it's like a twelve to sixteen week injury. I've seen mm-hmm. other people report that it's like a three to six week injury injury, and that he'll be ready for week one. That's what Schefter said today, is they expect him back for week one. So, in my opinion, I think you have to hedge. And, you know, I think we all brought up some interesting points when we were talking about it. these kind of breaks and foot injuries. Just because you come back doesn't mean you're you're good to go. I mean, even like Greg Olson, think about him for the Panthers. You know, he kept re-breaking the same kind of area in his foot several Several times when he got back into competition. So, I, those are all reasonable questions, too.
2: Well, and I don't think we can, we can, you know, fully trust that San Francisco knows how to handle this injury. They just had it last season with Trent Taylor, and he had setback after setback until he ended up going on season ending IR. So, uh, I'm not saying that, you know, it's Washington's medical staff, but clearly, this is the type of injury that can have a a wide variety of outcomes unless you're very, very careful with it.
3: Yeah, and so that's NFL.com apparently just put out again that he's out for 12 to 16 weeks. So I think the tough thing for us trying to do this <coughs> today is it, it could be a week or two weeks, and it could be one of those injuries where you have to see, see how the recovery goes. I do remember seeing that he they said he was going to have surgery to repair it.
1: Yeah, I mean, for me, anything foot injury-wise with the wide receiver raises a red flag for me, at least for the season. I mean, so I'm not obviously anywhere near the athlete that Debo is, but I've had some fairly serious foot injuries in just the sports that I play, and it does take forever to kind of get back to what you're used to doing. And, I mean, I can't – with the cuts that he makes and the way that they use him in the offense, I wouldn't be surprised if it does take him a little bit of time, even if they expect him back week one, to kind of get back into full what we saw of Debo at the end of last year. It might, it might take him five, six games into the NFL season to do it. So not necessarily a loss per se because he'll still be there, but I wouldn't expect to see full Debo Uh, This year, so the fantasy finishes last year. Jimmy Garoppolo finishes QB 12 with 258.4 points. Raheem Mostert, RB 25, 141.4. Kevin Coleman, RB 35 with 122.6. Matt Breida, RB 43, 92.2. Debo, wide receiver 35, 139.6 points. And then Kittle, tight end four, 166.2. So fantasy-wise, Jimmy G was an elite quarterback last year. He finished right there at 12, right at the edge of that tier one of quarterbacks. Depends
3: on what your scoring is. Because when I saw that 12, yeah. I went yeah. and looked. In ESPN and Fantasy Pro's scoring, he was in 14 to 15 range.
1: Gotcha. Right. Okay. Well I don't know. I wonder what ESPN does different than the one I pulled from. I just point
3: uh, Fantasy Pros also had him as QB fourteen behind Jared Goff. Uh, because I don't
1: I don't do week seventeen. That's why. I, I do weeks one through sixteen. I, I don't I don't do week seventeen and see if that changes it at all.
2: Yeah, fantasy but- pros has him at fourteen through sixteen weeks.
1: Really? So, what is their yeah. score difference in mine? mine? I don't have anything well, quarterback wise. It's just 0.5 PPR running back. That's the score. Re-
2: regardless, having. the point that I would like to make is yeah. that finishing a, almost 100 points behind the QB2, I don't think makes you an elite quarterback. You I may know, have finished as a QB1 in that scoring, but he's not elite.
1: Uh, yeah, depends on um, what you define as elite. I'd define elite as one through 12. I, well, that- I think okay.
2: you define elite as in the NFL. So, you, Not you know,
3: measuring If we're measuring him by Joe Flacco standards, I'm sure he's elite. He has a QB, one fantasy, fantasy I'll grant the game, Super Bowl. better
1: hair, better girlfriends, sure. definitely elite by Joe better Flacco. No
3: chance at VD. Uh,
1: Probably true, too.
3: <laughs> but I mean, the- last year was also a strange year in that. Drew Brees missed a chunk of time, so you see yeah. where he's at. Matt Stafford, if he would have played that whole season, you know what he was tracking a lot better. He still finished quarterback twenty-two, even though I believe he missed half a year. Yeah, yeah. Stafford and eight games
2: uh, passed for a thousand yards less than Garoppolo,
3: and passed for only a couple of touchdowns less because I think he had nineteen or twenty TDs, and Garoppolo had twenty-six. So, I, I mean, he had a good season. I, like I said, he finished better than if you would have asked me before we looked this up. Where yeah. Jimmy G finished among quarterbacks, I probably would have said the eighteen to twenty range. Well, yes, yeah, so very I'm, successful that's... in that audience offense. But so none
1: of us see him. None of us see him finishing up there again. I, I mean, we all had him ranked. Yes, on yesterday's episode, what I think I had him. I had him like in the thirty, not thirty range, but like the the bottom tier, like QB three range. Yeah. I didn't even have his QB two.
3: I'm pretty sure I had him, you know, between 22 and 25. Yeah. You um, and Tony was, were
1: higher on him than me. And I Dennis see him as a,
3: a real low end QB too. I, I think that's, if, if you're hedging, if you're betting on something, you know, could, it's the same. We talked about some of the guys last year, the best availability is availability. Yeah. So quarterback's a position where you never know what's going to happen and take somebody out. If you would have said prior to the 2019 season, I would, let's assume that all three of us would have told you Matt Stafford would finish as a QB one. And that's where we would have drafted him. And you don't know that a guy's going to miss a half a season, get knocked out, crush your hopes and dreams. Jimmy G could finish as a QB one again, but do I feel like I want to bet on that? I, I definitely don't. Especially they banked a lot of their, which I'm sure we'll talk about a banked a lot of their this year on, they drafted a new receiver and they were ready for Debo Samuel to take a step forward. And now that's a little bit in flux. And if you look at the depth of their receiving core, there's not a lot of experience and there's not a lot of previous, you know, history and talent. There's even more questions probably than he had last year.
1: Dennis, anything you want to add before we get onto the wonderful running backs here?
3: Nope.
1: Jarek McKinnon, Raheem Mostert, Tevin Coleman, Jamichael Hasty, Salvan Ahmed. Is that how you say it right? I always call him Ahmed. Are all there in that running back room. Don't forget Jeff Wilson. Jeff Wilson. That's right. The the guy out of North Texas who Who gets comes
3: in and scores four one touchdowns in a game once a year.
1: Yeah. Always screws you, always screws somebody in their fantasy playoffs every single year. Um, who are you guys buying into? Who you think is gonna be the guy moving forward? I mean, each has their ups and downs. I think for me, the one that's probably the easiest to leave off is McKinnon. I think it's gotta come down to Coleman and Mostert, but both have injury his, issues. Both have their ups and downs. So, if you were buying into one, which one would you buy into?
2: I am usually buying into Coleman, uh, just based on price. Uh, I don't hate Mostert, uh, and there are times when I'm drafting where I'll be like, you know, ah, hell with it. He's got to he's got to be healthy all year eventually, and uh, and I'll draft him. Uh, it, it's. The hard part for me sometimes, though, is Mostert can be healthy, and that still doesn't mean uh, Coleman's not going to get twenty four carries, mm-hmm. and Mostert eight. That's yeah, I mean, just a Kyle Shanahan kind of thing.
3: That's what I was going to say we're we're critical of uh, the Patriots and their running backs because you can never tell who's going to do what. I thought San Francisco last year was trying to to do a hold my beer moment because you'd have. Tevin Coleman score four touchdowns and be talked in the same breath as Jerry Rice one week. And uh, you'd have to go check and make sure he didn't like get cut from the team the next week because he just wasn't a part of the game plan. So those kind of things are tough injuries in this, in their particular position have seemed to take an impact on who's on the field uh, a lot. And that's one thing you can't handicap. I'm probably leaning closer to you, Matt, that McKinnon's the one I would rule out. I think Coleman and Mostert will both be used. I like Mostert. I like his potential. I think he he will probably end up as the higher scoring running back. But if you're looking for value in drafting, the difference in ADP between Mostert and Tevin Coleman is shocking. You know, Tevin yeah. Coleman's somewhere down like RB 44 to 50.
0: So, mm-hmm. he has
3: just as good a chance to have an 800-yard season as Mostert does and he's going, I believe, Somewhere, uh, you know, when I did the profile on him, he was going somewhere between twenty-four and thirty. I don't know if it's he may have even come higher because people have seemed to have bought in more on him. Um, he he's the one I think will finish with better stats, but will he help you more? Probably not because of where you're going to have to draft him.
2: Yeah, it's it's a, a crazy setup. I mean, Coleman is almost five million dollars against the cap. Mostert three point one million. McKinnon two point nine. And Jeff Wilson seven hundred and fifty thousand, Hasty six fifteen, and Ahmed six thirteen. Are they going to carry six running backs? I think the wild card with that is actually McKinnon's health. If uh, that may be the thing that that clears that room out is if McKinnon just doesn't have it coming back now from what two years removed from his injury, it could be Mostert and Coleman with Wilson as the three.
3: Didn't he tear an ACL again last year? It was two ACL tears in a row, right? Something. I was pretty sure that's why he missed again last year. He hasn't been able to see the field in a regular season game for the 49ers since signing that contract.
1: McKinnon. Yeah he, yeah, he got uh, – I don't remember what ha- – I don't think he tore his days, but something happened with that. It was due know, to that know. injury, something going on with it that caused him yeah, – he never even got on the field last year. Um, I would go Coleman, too, just based on, as you guys mentioned, the, the difference in the ADP. So, Matt, you were mentioning it. Mostert right now, his ADP is uh, 85. He's going as a 31st RB off the board. Coleman's is at 155, RB 52. Like, the difference in him, clearly everybody's buying into Mostert and – I mean, at that point, I don't know. What is that? What is what is 85? what 85? Is that? Round seven. So it's probably your RB3. Probably, I guess depending on how you've built your team, RB2, RB3, I think I'd rather take a shot at Coleman as my RB3, you know, a good whatever it is, that is rounds later. Well, you could um, get
3: him as an RB4 almost. And you yeah, could end yeah, up having so, so the same five, kind of production.
1: Probably. Yeah, yeah. I think I'd rather. I I would personally rather do that. Someone just popped up on here, and I don't know what just happened. I don't know how that happened. Someone just popped up on the bottom to like get on the show. I don't know who it was, but uh, uh,
2: no. I I went to link to our show in Dynasty Nerds, and I guess I posted the the. Uh, oh yeah. Streamyard yeah. link. Don't let them in.
1: Yeah. No. No. They're gone now. But <laughs> uh, I was like, Hey, how? Popped uh, up. I'm so confused. What just yeah.
2: happened? No, I'm a dumbass.
3: Um, Today's episode with a special guest. Yeah, special guest. To be named later. Well, I was
1: was like, wait, who is this? How did you Uh, uh,
3: By the way, this gives you, I did look it up. You are correct. McKinnon, his original injury was an ACL tear. Last year was some kind of flare up and damage in the same knee that required a secondary surgery.
1: Yeah, and so it ended up keeping him out all year. And I just, I, I, you hate to see it because he looks so good, obviously, that last year with Minnesota before he came to San Francisco. Obviously, there are a lot of people who bought in very heavily on McKinnon there in Kyle Shanahan's offense. And we're probably never going to get a chance to see that, which, which does suck. So the number one receiving option is, in my opinion, Kittle. I know everybody loves Debo, but Kittle's definitely the guy on here. Do we see anybody who can succeed in the wide receiver core, though, including Debo, assuming he comes back? Let's just say by week, or he's healthy by week four or five, and it's good to go the rest of the season. Who do you guys see that could possibly succeed here in that offense, or a guy that you would play fantasy-wise at that wide receiver group?
2: Well, outside of Debo, it's probably Ayuk, but it, it comes down to the volume again. If if you have a team that's throwing. What did they throw last year? 478 times. And Kittle is going to get, what, 100, 110, 120 of those targets. Mm-hmm. So now you're down to 350 targets, 360 targets spread amongst your running backs and, and five wide receivers. It, it To me, it feels like a situation where if you get one of these guys, you want Debo or Iuke, and you're hoping that they're your wide receiver three on your team because you know they could have wide receiver one upside, but it might not be uh, consistent. Yeah. So you want to you're going to try to hedge and have them lower uh, in the pecking order for you.
3: So you know, I think for me, among their receivers, if if everyone's in there healthy. I liked Samuel last year. I still think he has potential to develop as as their best-receiving weapon. The real question, you know, Ayuk is going to suffer from the same thing that I think all the rookies are going to have coming in this year in that they didn't even, you know, they're adjusting to life in the NFL. They're adjusting to life on their NFL team. And they have not been given the same kind of opportunity that classes before them have had to come in. So it's going to be even more magnified pressure on Ayuk if Devo Samuel's not ready to go week one, because you know people are going to be looking for him to step up to be that number one receiver for a time being. And that's where you know some of the decisions they made this offseason—if they knew they were going to have an injury—would they? You know, we may not love Marquise Goodwin. But would you have kept a guy like that who at least has some some more veteran experience? Because what they have, you know, beyond that, you have maybe Trent Taylor comes back. Maybe Jalen Hurd, a.k.a. man bun Mike Kyle Shanahan, you know, is available. (laughs) Maybe Dante Pettis, uh, you know, is something. Uh, Kendrick Bourne in in even last year, you know, at, at times would pop up and catch a couple of touchdowns. They have Travis Benjamin. This is not, like, the most confidence-inspiring, in which case you're kind of looking at what Carson Wentz had in Philadelphia after his big-name guys went out last year.
2: I mean, almost by default, uh, if Debo is out, Kittle is going to get more attention. Teams are going to scheme to take him away. And the running game. Right, and so now then it comes down to – if I had to put my money on anybody, I'd probably go with Kendrick Bourne, just because Ayuk is going to be going so much higher, and everybody seems to be in love with Jalen Hurd. It, it to me, it, it almost makes you're practically stealing Kendrick Bourne, and and he's shown that he can put up numbers when given a chance. For whatever reason, he just I don't maybe he's just such a lousy practice player that he can't ever get into the starting lineup i'm not sure what happens with him but it seems like every time they put him in a game when they need a big play they put kendrick Bourne in and he makes a big play it's like why the hell won't you play
1: him you know it's funny that you say that because i almost put him on the show sheet with the fantasy finishes because he was the only other wide receiver that finished worth a damn on their team with fantasy points but i left him off because i just kind of didn't think it was going to be that big a deal i'm trying to pull up his uh I'll keep looking for his ADP because his ADP is low. Him and Herd yeah, are pulling extremely low. All right, let's see. Oh shoot, I'm all, I'm all getting all over all over the place. All right, so over unders uh, again. Over good, under bad. Wait, no, over bad, under good. That's what we settled on, right? Because it made it easier. Kendrick
3: Bourne's ADP is wide receiver one hundred and eleven in PPR. Not even doesn't even pull for standard. So he is probably largely going undrafted.
1: Yeah, so the site that I usually use to pull the un, uh the the ADPs, I've got him at a he's getting drafted at his ADP on on here through their websites is two ten being drafted as wide receiver eighty six. So he's wow. he's actually been drafted. No, no, I'm sorry, that's Jalen Hurd. I'm looking at the wrong person. Sorry, that was Jalen Hurd.
3: That would make sense. Uh, Hurd's been still a, and there's yeah. been a lot of there was a lot of buzz for Hurd that he was coming on. And was gonna have in for a big year before this injury, so I'm curious to see how that pans out.
1: Yeah, born. Uh, yeah, born is not getting drafted at all in here. Actually, in fact, his other teammate, uh, where was it? Dante Pettis is actually getting drafted. I had him on this website. Uh, Pettis has got an ADP of 238, 106. You know, Riley, Riley, Ridley of all people is getting drafted over her, over him. Yeah, that's it.
3: Fantasy Pros showed uh born receiver one eleven overall three seventy
1: seven. That's yeah. It. This that, one has one hundred twelve in any on there. So yeah, I agree with you. All right, so over unders. Jimmy Garoppolo. Kind of feel like this is a bad number since we all had him below this, anyways. But QB sixteen over under in twenty twenty. Over over. I agree. His ADP is 177. Uh, He's being drafted as the 20th QB off the board. Just ahead of him, Kirk Cousins, Sam Darnold, and Drew Locke. You taking him over any of those three?
2: Nope.
3: Uh,
1: No. Right behind him, Ryan Tannehill, Godna Minshew, and the future NFL MVP and Super Bowl winner, Justin Herbert. Are you taking any of those three over Garoppolo? In Dynasty, I'm
3: taking Herbert over
1: yeah,
2: definitely.
1: correctly, future NFL MVP and Super Bowl winner, Justin Herbert.
3: Well, also, if you're in that range, you're probably not expecting him to be like a superstar starter for you, and I would like the long-term potential of, of Herbert, who I think is going to be a different kind of NFL passer than Jimmy G.
1: So just just Herbert for you guys? Because I'd probably take Minshew, although his his future is probably just as murky as Garoppolo's. I, I, I don't know, man. There's something about those jorts that just get me going, man. I don't know.
3: <laughs> Can we cut that audio and just uh, send that to, to
1: – Yeah, I'm going to – On, gonna, on a, the internet,
3: man. there's something about I'm gonna the send jorts that minutes. get me
1: going. There's something about those jorts that get me going. All right, so Raheem Mostert, uh, RB22 in 2020, over or under?
2: I'm going to say under.
1: I'm going to say under as well.
2: Not by much, but I, I uh, think
3: I- – 22 is a pretty good number, I think, but twenty twenty
1: one. Yeah. All right. I will uh, – I'll go under as well, just barely. I think he finishes right around 21, 22 as well. So it's ADP 85, RB 31 just before him. Keyshawn Vaughn, Darius Geis, and David Johnson. Are you taking him over any of those three?
3: I'd take him over Geis and Johnson. Um,
2: I'd take – I'm not a believer in Vaughn, and so I'd take him over Vaughn. I'd take Geis, and it'd probably be—it's a a coin flip with DJ. Some days, yes; some days, no.
1: I'd—I'd not take him over any of those three. I think if Geis, see, that's the thing. Well, see, you can say the same thing about Mostert if he stays healthy. I think Geis is just a better running back. So if he stays healthy, I'd rather have Geis and David Johnson. While he obviously looked horrible last year, I know is like secured the running back spot. Where you still have that question of Coleman with Moster, so I'd keep Johnson over him. Vaughn, stud RB RB three in twenty twenty. So I'm just kidding. Um, uh, let's see. Right behind him, carry on Johnson, Sony Michelle, and Mark Ingram. Are you taking any of those three over Mostert?
2: I am not. It's it's. I'm torn with Ingram because he's produced, we know he can do it. And I know they've got Dobbins and I know they've got Hill and I know they've got the Gus bus and, but Ingram just kind of fits what they do so well. So that it, it is this off season going to be so wacky that it prevents Dobbins from ascending. You know, that's the question oh. you have to, you have to ask yourself if Dobbins is going to play the second fiddle to him. Uh, out of veteran deferment and Ingram producing because he got the shot. I could see believing that. Um, I think in a standard league, I might take Sony over him.
1: See, Sony's a question for me too, because I truly think the Patriots are going to run the hell out of him this year. And if that's the case, I I, I mentioned it yesterday. That's why I have Stidham so low. Like I really think they're going to lean on him and Harris a lot This year, and if Sony, if if he just stays healthy, we know that he can produce. We've seen it. He's been a really good running back. I think he was more injuries last year, and obviously, we talked about a lot throughout the season, how beat up their offensive line was as well. Like, we expected them to run the ball. They have
3: not substantially improved their offensive line. True. And to to Dennis's point on Ingram, I actually think Mark Ingram will have a better finish in 2020 than Raheem Mostert, but I don't think that he's with the Ravens after this year. And Raheem Mostert, I think very well could be still the lead back for a 49ers team in So yeah, I guess
1: it comes down to what you think of Mostert, because I, I mean you could make the argument that Mostert might be gone as well after this year. So it's just kind of if you I guess if you were on that train that you thought Mostert and Ingram could both be gone after this year, who are you gonna take as the better year? Probably Ingram. So I could I could see the argument for Ingram there. Coleman, RB thirty two in twenty twenty, over or under
2: push
3: i'm gonna take over
2: yeah i i think that uh yeah you know, my my general feeling this year is that mosert's gonna stay reasonably healthy and so that means that coleman is gonna be over rb 32 yeah,
1: all right but maybe
3: lo- maybe low end rb3 but it feels more like he would be a high-end rb4
1: I'm going to go slight under. I think they're going to run the ball enough. And, and Coleman, I guess the biggest thing for him is also going to be the same thing with Mostert, is if he stays healthy. Because when he's healthy, he, he shows, especially in that Shanahan offense, the way that they can seems to just scheme running backs to get all kinds of holes and everything. They all they seem to get a ton of points. And, and I've seen enough flashes that Coleman think he can put up a couple touchdowns uh, and keep what's them been, up here.
3: What's been fascinating to me is when they signed McKinnon and then when they went and got Tevin Coleman, it was my thought that they were looking for a back who could be also a dynamic receiver. But in the last two years, it does not seem like the way they've chosen to do offense for the 49ers that pass catching is a big part. And I think this is that's where that kind of scheme hurts Coleman more than Mostert, who, you know, is happy to just go in there and keep pounding. Tevin Coleman, when he was really dynamic for Atlanta, it was as a two-phase yeah. player. He had more dynamic, probably, passing games almost you know I remember one year when they came to Denver he took two like over the top 50 plus yard bombs it just doesn't seem like the passing to the backs which was kind of interesting to me
1: yeah I think that's again why everybody was so high on McKinnon when he went there to begin was like man that what we saw because we've even seen it with Tevin Coleman that one year in Atlanta he was -hmm. getting a lot of the receiving work he kind of depleted so much Freeman's value that one year because we saw so much out of Coleman everybody's like oh man like now McKinnon going there after he got the, the head coach of the 49ers. is like, man, that guy's going to blow up with receiving, rushing, and then obviously yeah it just it didn't work out. Uh, so his ADP is 155, RB 52, as we mentioned earlier. Just before him, uh, Joshua Kelly, um, Evans, Evan Darrington Evans and Darrell Henderson. Would you take him over any of those three?
3: I would take him over Kelly and Evans. I, I almost think
2: I would take him over all three of them. So would I. With with a nod to this year, Um, I I, you know Coleman is a serviceable back, and he is going to have an RB three season probably. And if he's gone next year to another team, uh, I could see him you know landing somewhere and being a solid second guy in in a backfield. Uh, I think he's still a couple years away from just you know dropping off so uh, he, he's what 27 28 years old i yeah, i, I see him
1: he's older than he is I,
2: I see him having uh you know two or three rb3 seasons left in him
1: yeah i think for me evans would be the only one i might not take because i've I've obviously liked him a lot especially in the landing spot there in tennessee i think he does a lot more better in the receiving game and I know a lot of people think Henry's a good receiver, but I kind of dispute that. Um, I'm I'm just going to stick strong on the Justin Jackson over Kelly train here with Matt, as long as we can ride that train out before it falls off the cliff. Uh, so I'm gonna, I'm going to stick with Coleman over him, and then I just I don't believe I, I just the way as early as the Rams took Acres and the fact that that was their very first pick in the draft, and they made sure to take Cam Akers just makes me believe they truly believe in him. I just can't see. Darrell Henderson really being that big of a part. So I'd rather have Coleman. I think he's just got a better chance of playing time than Henderson. Uh, right after Boston, Scott, Chase, Edmonds, and Latavius Murray, would you take any of those three over Coleman?
2: No, I don't think so. I definitely not, Scott. Uh, I don't believe that Edmonds is – is. he's not the future in Arizona. Yeah. Drake. Drake may not be there past this year, but I don't think Edmonds is the future there either. And, and I think Murray, Murray is where I think Coleman will be in a couple years.
1: Yeah.
3: I might take Latavius Murray just because the system he's in and the potential opportunity feels a little bit better to me.
1: Yeah, Murray Murray was the one question mark for me. I agree with you on Edmonds. I actually think Eno Benjamin's gonna actually be coming that that backup running back there over he's Edmonds. He's practically free and started yeah.
3: Benjamin's going way later. You can yeah. take him, throw him on a taxi, and
1: wait. Uh but uh, I mean if it came down to it, it'd probably be a coin flip for me between Murray and Coleman. I probably lean Coleman more often than not, because the same thing I said about uh, about Henderson. I I feel like there's, I I see more of a playing time shot with Coleman, but I agree that the saints offense is obviously better on Murray's side. Debo Samuel wide receiver 27. I factored in the fact that he probably will miss games or be injured at least earlier in the season for this. If he did not have the injury, which we found out about yesterday, I would have probably had him a lot higher, but factoring the injury, I dropped him a little bit. So wide receiver 27 in 2020.
3: I'm going to take the over.
2: Yeah, I'm going to take the over too. I, like okay. i said i don't i don't have based on the trent taylor experience i don't have a ton of confidence that san francisco will uh get a best case scenario out of this recovery
1: all right i will go slight under i think he's gonna finish right around that back end of uh of wide receiver two uh but i mean i i don't disagree with what you guys are saying. they like, said so we talked about it at the beginning of that podcast There's, I don't think there's any way to clearly predict what goes on with those foot injuries, especially with a wide receiver like Debo, uh, ADP 53 wide receiver 26 off the board, just ahead of him. Robert Woods, Terry McLaurin and Jerry Judy. Would you take him over any of those three?
2: Uh, I'd probably take him over Judy still. Uh, I I don't think I would have taken, I definitely wouldn't have taken him over McLaurin before. Um, and Woods, um, Woods is a tough one for me because he is a little bit older. And so while receivers have a longer shelf life, what's Woods? He's like 27, 28. Debo's like 23.
3: Right
2: now, So there Robert is a
3: – Woods will be 28 when the season starts.
2: So there is a little concern there with Woods. I'd probably still take I, – I think I'd probably st- – still take Debo based on uh, it. since I'm playing Dynasty, I want the the better long-term player, and even if I only have Debo for a half a season this year, uh, I'll I'll add to the Woods disrespect.
3: Yeah, I would take him over Woods.
1: Uh, I would take him over Judy, and that's it, just because I think even with uh samuel's injury this year i still i i'm a massive I'm, i think both of you guys are as well massive believer in Cortland sutton i think he's always going to be the one in denver and i think once debo comes back he's going to be the one i like iuke a lot but i just think what samuel can do the way he can move all over the field with with shanahan in that offensive scheme uh, i think samuel's going to be the one for them for the most part so when he comes back and is healthier, even moving forward into the future he's going to be the one and i like that woods Dennis, you mentioned it right there at the end. He just seems to continually get disrespected. He always finishes in the top 24 or the top really 15, almost seems like every single year. I think I'd ride with with Woods a couple more years and, and then try and draft some younger wide receivers to kind of offset the age thing later uh, and kind of move more toward a, I always try to win every year. It never really ever works out for me, but so that's probably why I would go Woods. Uh, right behind him, Tyler Lockett, Adam Thielen, and Justin Jefferson. Would you take any of them over, Debo?
2: But Lockett's tempting, Um, but there's a certain amount of uh, trepidation I have based on my uh, underestimation of DK Metcalf last season. So I I think Metcalf is definitely ascending out there, and in a low-volume offense, uh, I don't know if there's going to be enough Lockett long-term. So Probably not. I wouldn't take Thielen or Jefferson over him.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't either. I'd still take uh, Debo all of over all of those three. So uh, Brandon Ayuk, wide receiver, thirty one in twenty twenty. Over. Over. I'm gonna go under. I think the the whatever amount that C- Samuel is is injured or not fully himself is going to help. Uh, Shoot him up. I know the and Matt. You mentioned earlier the the off stuff going on is probably going to hurt him, especially because we hear Kyle Shanahan has such a like advanced and and hard to learn playbook and everything. But I, I, Herm Edwards has spoken just volumes about how smart, how good of a player Ayuk is, and he is a lot like Debo and can be used all over the field. I think they're gonna. Uh, you know, kind of, what's the word I'm looking for? Manufactured touches for Ayuk earlier in the season to kind of get him involved in the offense. I think he's going to be the guy. I'm not as high on Hurd and some of those other guys, even though they've been there. Uh, so I think Ayuk can get a slightly better than wide receiver 31 season going next year. ADP of 101, wide receiver 50. Just before him, Laviska Chennault, Mike Williams, and A.J. Green. Would you take him over any of those three?
3: Before you do that real quick, yeah. so uh, last year, wide receiver 30 mm-hmm. was in PPR with 66 receptions for 869 yards and five touchdowns. Okay. Last year, last year Debo Samuel uh, in a complete season finished with 57 receptions, 802 yards, and three touchdowns. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so basically, Emmanuel Sanders was wide receiver thirty, the first number I read, and Samuel was thirty-one yes. last year. With those numbers, you think that they can have two wide receivers with Samuel missing? That you think he's going to finish better than what he what he put up last year, missing potentially three or four games?
1: I do. And here's why. And it's going to be something that we we will discuss more when we do the team previews. I actually think San Francisco is going to be in more shootouts this year than they were last year. Uh, One thing that I I feel like everybody kind of talks about it. Those defenses that lead the league and do everything that they do the year before always take that step back. I understand that the 49ers are bringing back a lot of those players. I just don't know if that defense is going to be quite as good as they were last year, which I means I don't think they're going to be able to rely on the run as much as they did last year. They were able to get those turnovers, get up the way that they were. And then it was kind of like run the clock, out, which he never seems to do in the super bowls, which is just crazy to me is he never seems to run the clock out, but he does do it during the regular season. Yeah, I know Matt, trust me. So I think, uh, for me, they're going to end up throwing the ball more because of that. And the one thing I like about Debo and Ayuk, because they did a lot of Arizona, Kyle Shanahan with the way he runs his offense, we saw it more in the playoffs than I think we did in the regular season. Debo was in the backfield, and he got carries, and he did get handoffs, so they did different kind of screens and everything. Ayuk did a lot of that in college as well. He was in a very explosive kick and punt returner, I think that Kyle Shanahan will find a way to manufacture touches for them. I'm not saying they're going to you know, get 90 catches or anything like that, but if they get, again, say you just said 60 catches or something like that, was wide receiver 30? So
3: wide receiver 30 last year actually ended up being Emmanuel Sanders, who was Mm the 49ers receiver. He had 66 receptions for 869 yards and five touchdowns. Samuel was wide receiver 31. He had 57 for 802 and three, but also had 14 carries for 159 and three.
1: So I think if they can get close to right right around 70, the touchdowns is going to be the big thing. The touchdowns is going to sway you. Which way are they? So if they can get a couple more touchdowns and continue with the rushes, everything I say, I you I believe more in getting above 31 than Samuel. To Samuel, I'm just guessing because the injury, I don't know what he's going to be like. But Ayuk say, again, that Samuel does miss four or five games. I think Ayuk's going to immediately, outside of Kittle, be the best receiving option on that team, even though he hasn't gotten a chance to learn the playbook and everything like those other guys who have been there. So I, I believe Ayuk, I, yes, he can. I, I'm a big believer in him, even though I don't really own him anywhere or anything. But I, I just think he can be a very good receiver in that offense. Um, so, But you guys, uh, before would you take him over Chennault, Mike Williams, or A.J. Green? I take him
3: over all three of
2: them. Okay. I'd take Mike Williams.
1: So would I. I still kind of I think Mike Williams once once again future NFL MVP and Super Bowl winner Justin Herbert becomes the quarterback he's gonna he's gonna get Mike Williams the ball uh, just after Will Fuller, uh, Brian Edwards, and Preston Williams. Would you take any of those three over Ayuk?
2: I'd take Edwards and Williams.
3: Preston.
1: <laughs> yeah i was i was kind of on the same boat obviously a big edwards guy and i think williams is going to be the interesting one though for me because i think i don't know when he's going to come back there's a lot of talk that because he tore the the acl so late he may not be ready to go to start the season but i'd still take him i uh dennis's guy there I, I am still much uh much a believer in preston williams so t- george kittle tight end two in 2020 under
2: i'm gonna go over
1: I'm going to go under as well. I think he breaks into the tight end one this year. I think uh, it's going to
2: be Andrews, Kelsey, Kittle.
1: Andrews. I like oh. that. Okay. So that answers the next question. Kittle, ad- Andrews, Kelsey. He, uh, ADP of 19. He is the number one tight end being drafted off the board. Just behind him, Ert, Andrews, and Ingram. So who? I'm sorry. It's actually Andrews, Ertz, Ingram. I don't know why I put Ertz first. Uh, so Dennis, you just said, I would assume you're taking Andrews over Kittle. Is that it just Andrews? Yes. Matt, Kittle oh, number one? Yeah, Kittle. Andrews would be the interesting one for me because obviously he like is is a stud. Well, I, I don't want to get off on a tangent here, but I, I was listening to a podcast the other day talking about how this pl- – I'm not going to name the podcast and everything because so I don't want to like – I feel like I'm trashing them when I say this, but uh, they were talking about how excited they were to get Marquise Brown in the eighth round because he is by far the best receiving option and the number one receiving option for Lamar Jackson. I was like, no, no. The number one receiving option for Lamar Jackson is Mark Andrews. It is not Marquise Brown. He may be the number one wide receiver, but he is not the number one receiving option. That is definitely Mark Andrews. So, yeah,
2: those are definitely not the same thing on that team.
1: Yeah, exactly. All right, so uh, I, I, Andrews would be tough for me because I, I, he's a guy that uh, – I was sold on. He was my number one tight end in that class. A lot of people were going Hayden Hurst because he got drafted early. What I saw with, with my boy Baker, the touchdown maker in Oklahoma, I was sold on Andrews, but I, Kittle's just such a stud. I, I don't. It, it would be hard for me to go Andrews over Kittle. All right, so Seattle Seahawks—they went eleven and five last year. They lost in the division round to the Green Bay Packers with a beat up offensive line and their running backs being beat up as well. Do we think Seattle finally decides to throw the ball more in twenty twenty?
3: Your lips nope. to God's ears. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sucks. I really no. Nope,
2: they drafted DJ Dallas. They they've got Chris Carson.
3: They signed Carlos Hyde. Yeah. They have not given up on power running. And, you know, to be fair, even though I still find it seemingly hard to believe that a guy that fractured his hip is going to come back to play professional running back in September, they're saying Chris Carson is on track for week one.
1: Yeah, uh, I did see that too, which was kind of surprising. I was not expecting that at all.
3: Yeah, and I, I looked the ESPN's projections for uh, for 2020 show him having another 1,000-yard season and 250 carries. So maybe he will.
1: I wouldn't doubt it, man. They do. They do definitely seem to run. I mean, even last year when he was following the ball, everybody was having issues with that. He was, uh, he was still getting the rock. So, uh, let's see here. The new additions. Uh, you guys just mentioned Carlos Hyde on a one-year deal. Really the only other fantasy options that were a big deal. In my opinion, Colby Parkinson, the tight end uh, out of Stanford, they drafted. And then Dennis just mentioned DJ Dallas out of Miami. Uh, their only loss will be Greg Olson is on an expiring contract. That's about it. They, this team, um, was it? Is it John Snyder, right? Is that the general manager for the Seahawks? Yep. yep. He's done, I think, a enough. Uh, I don't think he's talked about enough as being one of the better GMs in the game with what he's been able to do with Seattle over this time. Uh, uh, I fan- think
2: if, if Snyder could work some of that salary cap manipulation into paying for better offensive linemen, I think he hands down would be considered one. But he, yeah. he consistently does not put capital there, and, and that's typically the downfall of this team.
3: You know, I think you missed a, a new addition. Seattle also got uh, Philip Dorsett, oh yeah, receiver uh,
1: from that really an addition. I mean, yeah, okay. They, uh, have... I mean,
3: he looked pretty good for periods of time for New England, and it's yeah. not like they have incredible wide receiver. He's competing for David the, well, Moore. Uh, well, I behind don't. those top two guys.
1: Right. So here's my here's my thing behind that. I don't think Dorsett needs the field much unless Lockett gets hurt because uh, how often have we talked about more than really one? Last year I think was the first time we talked about two wide receivers being like fantasy relevant with Russell Wilson. It's because of the way Metcalf played. Like I, I don't – because of what we just talked about at the beginning with how often they run the, the ball, it's one of those offenses I don't think that they're going to have a bunch of fantasy viable wide receivers. I, I don't – I personally don't think Dorsett's got a lot. We can talk about Dorsett.
2: Well, I don't, I, I don't think Dorsett sees the field anymore if Lockett gets hurt, because Dorset's game is more similar to Metcalf's game than it is Lockett's game. Dorset's a lid lifter. He's yeah. a nine route guy. That's that's what he does. Lockett's I would, an I was intermediate. Just saying
3: guy. If we're if we're talking about the fantasy impact of Coley Parkinson, yeah. yeah.
1: Tied, well, in four, tied in four. Tied in is a man. Seattle. That's why I throw him on there. That That's the only reason I threw him on there. And we'll get to it here or later, obviously, with with Hollister. You've got Disley coming back. I mean, Parkinson show – Stanford's got a long list of really good tight ends that have made it. So still Seattle. have
3: Luke Wilson.
1: So, yeah, that, so hey, that's Sean
3: why. Greg Olson.
1: Yeah, Greg Olson. Yeah. All right, so uh, fantasy finishes. Russell Wilson, QB5 with 317.3 points. Uh, Chris Carson, RB10, 215.1. Carlos Hyde, RB23, 146.9. That was with Houston. Uh, Tyler Lockett, wide receiver, 18, 180.1 points. DK Metcalf, wide receiver, 32, 144. And then Jacob Hollister, tied in 26 with 68.9 points. Found this stat very interesting, so I just kind of wanted to get your guys' opinion on it because we all know Russell Wilson's a fantasy study. He He de- definitely started off slow last year, but for the most part – Clearly, as I just mentioned, QB5, he seems to finish as a top QB every year. He has never received a single first-place MVP vote. Does that kind of surprise you guys with the way that he's – I mean, I think it's fair to say almost into the the comment that you just making a minute ago, Dennis, about them never investing in the offensive line. I would almost say they don't do it because of just how good Russell Wilson has been. Like, he makes it to where you can have a shitty offensive line and win, and yet never gotten a first-place MVP vote.
3: Which but, last year he, sh- you know that that seemed even crazier for last year because with the newly pulled out of retirement a second time, Marshawn Lynch and Travis Homer as his only yeah. running back options, he was within one score of beating San Francisco and being the number one seed in the yep.
2: NFC. I think that the challenge with with Wilson is that he's notoriously a slow starter, and so the first four, five, sometimes six weeks of the season, he doesn't look great. And then he spends the last three quarters of the season making up for it. And and I guess if you're going to play bad, I'd rather play bad the first four weeks than the last four weeks. But I think sometimes when they look at the whole season for a player, that kind of dings Wilson. Uh, he should have received votes. Uh, it's it's clearly been, I don't want to say, uh, a malicious intent, mm-hmm. but uh, there he, he certainly had seasons where he should have at least received votes.
1: Yeah, see, I don't know. I'm not trying to say that he should have won it. I mean, I, maybe I could have seen it the year that Brady won it in 2017, but, I mean, obviously last year Lamar, he's not winning yeah. over Lamar. Mahomes the year before that, I can't remember who was before Brady, uh, but that would have been right around the time that Wilson first started coming into the league, right, right, four or five years ago, six years ago. So, uh, I, I just, I, I, just find it crazy that he's never received even just a first place vote like that. Just one vote for for the the way that he has played is, is ridiculous to me. So, Carlos Hyde, Chris Carson, Rashad Penny, Travis Homer, and even Marshawn Lynch was in the talks to come back to Seattle. Who are you relying on in twenty twenty out of this backfield?
2: Chris Carson's the only one for me.
3: Yeah, I mean Car- Carson's probably the best option, and they seem uh, they seem most uh, committed to him. You know, mm-hmm. despite who's coming, because I think if I recall, it wasn't Penny it was a first round pick yeah. a couple years ago. Yeah, um, but ironically, he seems. Uh, less close to returning from his injury and it didn't they they happen like in back-to-back weeks or the same game yeah, at the end of the year. yeah but i
1: think was it his Carson was acl
3: yeah. pennies was and, the ACL. yeah i'm pretty sure carson fractured the hip yeah i right. thought it was like a bruise and then like oh just kidding that <laughs> one's broken but you know it seems like they they just brought in carlos Hyde to be kind of a complimentary piece and in case. Uh, you know they need to ease Carson back in, but I think he's the guy that they feel the most comfortable and seems to run the best the offense runs the best when he's there in there yeah, for them
2: I, I think uh from a passing game perspective uh d j Dallas and Travis Homer are gonna get some some opportunity there It's not going to be enough to i i don't think to make either one of them uh consistently fantasy relevant. Carlos Hyde though, he's a guy that if I'm doing a deal for somebody else and I want to try to get the deal done, I want a little something extra. He's that guy that I don't mind saying, Hey, can you throw Carlos Hyde in and be, he's my RB five or six, because I know if something does go wrong in Seattle, Hyde can go in and get, he can go in for six weeks and get you 20 carries and and 85 yards for, for six weeks in a row. Uh, He's just a one of those. I think he's kind of an underrated guy. He's not spectacular by any means. Yeah. And, and as one of the original
3: workman like mold though that Seattle seems to have for their players, they're not looking for flashy guys. Right.
2: Well, and and Penny though is one of the original Penny truthers. I'm starting now to look around and say, well, can I get him for a third? Do I have is there are there people out there that are finally just sick of him? Can I, you know, maybe a, a fourth and Carlos Hyde? Can I get, you can know, can you swap
3: Penny? your share of Ronald Jones for their share of Penny and then both troopers would have? Uh, their-
2: I actually, I, I probably wouldn't trade Jones straight up for Penny.
0: <laughs> really? Okay. Uh,
3: you know, I know. Uh, I, the other point I would make about Hyde is I'm not sure it would surprise any of us if if Carson ends up not being quite ready for week one and Hyde ends up being the guy maybe for the first two weeks mm-hmm. in which case you know I think he's a very viable starter
2: well and he, Hyde has come out he stated he goes this is Chris Carson's job he knows he knows what his role is his role he's the vice president his role is to be ready in case something goes wrong with the starter and so he's 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 accepted that at 27 years old now that that's what he's going to need to do and he'd rather make, you know, 1.1 $1. $1 million doing that than be out of the league.
1: Yeah. I'm going to I'm going to lump these two in together. So I feel like they they could be kind of uh, attached to each other. So do you guys think Metcalf can take a step forward here in year, year 2 with the Seahawks and the same offensive system and do you guys trust Tyler Lockett in this system? We saw I want to say it was like through week eight or nine last year before he got hurt. He was like score. he he was having decent weeks every single week, but like every other week, he was scoring a touchdown and having those big weeks. And we saw the injury, he never really looked the same. So, what are our thoughts on Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf for 2020?
2: You know, with a low volume offense, it it gets tricky. Uh, I don't think either one of them will be consistently relevant in the same weeks. And so that bumps both of them down for me. Uh, I, I like I like that Metcalf is, a, you know, he can be a three for 143 and two touchdowns, where Lockett's a, uh, an 11 for 99 and two touchdowns. But they're never, you're not likely to see that in the same week.
3: Yeah, so I mean, last year both of them saw over a hundred targets. You know, Metcalf saw a hundred targets, even got fifty-eight for nine hundred and seven. Uh, you know, it, I think that's probably, you, you know, I'd see a few more receptions, maybe a few more yards. Uh, seven TDs feels about right to me. You know, they're not a super high ball. You know, you're not. Well, we don't think Russell Wilson's going to throw for fifty TDs. Threw for 31 last year, Lockett caught eight, Metcalf caught seven. That sort of makes a little bit of sense to me. Um, you know, I think both of them are probably between 65 and 75 receptions, somewhere between 950 and 1,000 yards, and six to eight touchdowns. Uh, you know, and I think they can both survive in there. Are there huge steps up or back for either? I don't think so, but I don't think, you know... They both have talent. They both have roles. Seattle's not a super high volume. They're not that much more of a high volume pass offense than San Francisco. They might be less robust than what we were talking about with Jimmy G. They just don't have, you know, as much of a focal point. It seems like they basically have two guys and then whatever happens with the tight end. So I think that last year what we saw is probably a pretty good indication of what they can be together.
2: Yeah, last year the 49ers had four hundred and seventy-eight pass attempts, the Seahawks five hundred and seventeen.
3: I'm surprised, honestly, Seattle had more.
2: Well, and that but that was twenty third in the league. Yeah. So and I, it it doesn't seem like a lot because compared comparatively, it honestly wasn't.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of that probably comes down to what you just mentioned earlier with, with how injured those guys were at the end of the year. They kind of moved away from running a little bit with Homer and Marshawn Lynch. It seemed like they were throwing a lot more. Probably would yeah, jump. They just
3: weren't having success rushing either. I think yeah. Marshawn's first game back, he had eight carries for seven yards and a touchdown
1: yeah yeah it was not great uh so you mentioned me having Colby Parkinson on here earlier. uh The tight end out of the group, I think is just a mess. We always saw will Disley kind of have a, a really good end of that season last year for coming on strong he was the guy everybody was buying into i think it was it dislocated or broke his ankle in the first game or something like that uh last year kind of got knocked out. Hollister stepped up, again, didn't have a great year, finishes a tight end 26, and then they brought over Greg Olsen as well. So you've got all those guys in the tight end room. Are you trusting any of these guys for fantasy in 2020? And if so, who?
3: Disley played six games last year.
1: Really? I did not think he got – He started
3: the first six, got 23 for 262 on four TDs. You're thinking of the year before where he had like one huge game where he caught three touchdowns against the Broncos and then got knocked out the next week.
1: Got you. Okay.
2: Yeah, I, you know it's it's tough. I like I, I like Hollister. He he's kind of athletic, but he's not too terribly big, so he isn't going to be out there blocking. But when they added Olson, it just sort of threw all of that into a mess at the tight end position. So you've got Disley and, and Hollister and Olson, and it just is. It's just a mess so, now.
3: Disley tore his patella tendon. Uh you know, and we've seen yeah. we've seen that be a real you know, Jimmy Graham tore his patella tendon for the Seahawks and most people didn't think he was going to come back and started the next year and actually looked pretty good. Disley did it mid-October. Um so I think most of the thinking is he's probably not going to be ready At the beginning of the season, he could be a a pup candidate where, you know, he's missing six weeks. And I think that's why they went and got Olsen. Uh, You know, Olsen's battled his own injury things. I think Olsen, Hollister probably settle at the top of the depth chart at the beginning, but Disley is obviously a guy they like uh, that has, when he's been on the field, has really shown a great connection with Russell Wilson, especially in his ability to score touchdowns. Uh, It's just how long does it take and, you know, like I said, those patella tendon injuries, we've seen it be real difficult as a comeback. We've seen people come back quickly. It's just going to depend, I
1: guess, on him and his rehab. All right. Over-unders. Q, uh, Russell Wilson, QB5 in 2020.
2: Now, since I put Wilson at my QB5 yesterday, I don't think it's fair that you should make me have to have to go off that.
1: Over Thomas
3: officially gets to push.
1: You get to you get to change. You still got time to change your ranks. We won't finish. We will talk about those top guys till Thursday. So you can yeah. Move that's over.
3: right. Thanks yeah. for giving it away, pal.
1: Yeah, yeah. Way to go. Way to ruin it.
3: Uh, I'm gonna take the over while we while he pontificates.
1: Uh, I'm taking over as well. I do technically. Dennis and not gonna lie to you. I have him been five as well. So, but I'm gonna I'm gonna take the over. I'm gonna move Baker up to five, baby. Let's go.
3: Well, yeah. There you go. I did not have him at five. I actually am taking a true over.
2: <laughs> See, I don't. I I don't feel. If I had to do something, it would. I'd have to move him up to four. Okay. Because I don't think the guys I have after him are are gonna. They're not gonna be up there. So, uh, all right, under. Fuck it
1: under all right I like great way to commit 80 <laughs> p of 76 He is being drafted as a six qb off the board just ahead of him deshaun watson dak prescott and kyler murray Are you taking him over any of those three
2: i'm taking him over murray
1: i would take him over watson i would take him over prescott so we all split on that one i have i have murray and watson ahead of them in my ranks i think uh I, I I have Prescott just behind him. I just I think Russell Wilson's gonna be a little bit better than than him this year. So so I would take him over Prescott. Behind him, Carson Wentz, Allen, and Mayfield. Would you take any of those three over Wilson? No. Nope. Mayfield just because I'm a homer. That's it. I, that's, I have no it's your real
3: right. It's your right. Man,
1: no real fantasy basis there. It's just because I'm a Browns fan. Uh Chris Carson, RB sixteen in twenty twenty, over or under.
3: I'm going
2: to go under. Yeah, I I think that uh, – I don't think he's going to be way under, but I, I could see him in that 12 to 15 range.
1: I That's will because
3: agree. we all think he's going to be over, that he's definitely going to be under. Yeah, I know, yeah. That's
1: why you got to go. Uh, he's got an ADP of 69, RB 25 off the board just ahead of him. Le'Veon Bell, Devin Singletary, and David Montgomery. Are you taking him over any of those three?
2: I'm taking him uh, – Yeah, I'm taking him over Bell and Singletary. Probably not Montgomery, though.
3: I would not take him over any of those three.
1: I think Singletary might be the only one for me. As much as I love Singletary, Moth worries me a little bit, but it'd be a coin flip just because I know Carson, like I said, he's the guy. Bell, I want to, but it would be hard for me. Uh, Right behind him, James Conner, Kareem Hunt, and... David Johnson, right? I'm pretty sure that's why yeah. I put D.J. David Johnson. No, it's
2: Duke. David. It's Duke Johnson.
1: Duke Johnson. You know what? No. I said Duke Johnson earlier, and I, put, I said Johnson, and I went David. But whatever. David Johnson being drafted all over the map these days. Uh, taken any oh, of those
3: That would have made from, more sense for the where the 49er ADP yeah, was, that it was think, Duke you know, Johnson.
1: I really think it was Duke Johnson, not David Johnson, but whatever. We're past it now.
3: I might take Connor over him because I still believe
1: in Connor. That is she taking any of those guys?
2: Um, no,
1: yeah. it would uh the only one I would take, and it would be Hunt just in trying to be. Trying to be ahead of the game in the fact that maybe Cleveland trades him and he ends up becoming a starting running back somewhere, and we know that he's got the ability to be a leading rusher and everything, but that would be the only one I would think about. Connor, I'm not sold on it, and neither with David slash Duke Johnson, whichever one that is.
3: Rashad, DJ that plays in Houston, it
1: is. Yeah, yeah, one of the DJs in Houston. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Penny, RB40 in 2020, over or under?
3: I'm going to say over.
1: Yeah, over. I will agree with you guys. Injury based, ADP of one sixty seven, based. RB fifty eight off the board, just ahead of him. Lynn Bowden, <laughs> Damian Harris, and Latavius Murray. You taking him over any of those guys? I'm take I'm him over Damian Harris.
2: Yeah, uh, I'm taking him over Murray and Bowden.
1: I wouldn't take him over Harris. I think Harris is going to be good for the Patriots. I almost just drafted him actually in a draft I'm in. So, uh, but I would I would take him over Bowden and Murray. Right behind him duke johnson i'm so confused right now it
2: says duke i'm gonna assume it's duke it's not duke williams because duke williams is a wide receiver
1: how maybe i just messed up maybe they switched him to running back in the system now duke johnson naheem hines and justin jackson you taking any of those guys over penny
2: nope
1: mind
3: taking my homeboy justin jackson
1: you're allowed that, right? I would not take any of them over, Penny, though, and I, I don't even like Penny.
3: Justin Jackson, 2020 fantasy MVP. <laughs> one year removed. <laughs> I'm going to declare it every year until I'm willing
1: to it. Stay on that train, baby. All right. Uh, Carlos Hyde, RB28, uh, over or under? Over. 20,
2: yeah, over.
1: I will go... Uh, yeah i'm gonna go over as well adp 215 rb 69 uh right ahead of him uh we're gonna say dare because i don't know how to say his last name go ahead oh there we go uh malcolm brown or giovanni bernard you taking any of those guys or taking Hyde over any of those guys
3: i'd probably take him over all three of those guys uh
2: i'd i'd probably take uh i'd take Hyde over ogumba and brown but i think i'd take bernard over Hyde.
1: I would I would take him over all three. Right behind him, which was – this is very surprising to me. Devonta Fre- – well, I guess he didn't have a job. Devonte Freeman. Sure it's
3: not Royce Freeman?
1: No, yeah, it's Devonta Freeman, yeah. I, I double-checked it just to make sure. Yeah, it, I'm assuming it's because he doesn't have a job. I don't know. Probably. Uh, Justice Hill or Mike Boone?
2: I'm taking Hyde.
1: Yeah,
3: I would probably take Hyde too. I mean, Devonta Freeman could have had Hyde's job, and yeah. Seattle Hood passed on it, so.
1: All right, uh, Tyler Lockett, wide receiver 21, over or under? Over. I'll say over, too. I am going to go slight over. I think he's going to go right around 24. ADP of 57, wide receiver 27 off the board just ahead of him. Debo Samuel, Robert Woods, and Terry McLaurin. You taking him over any of those three? I am not.
2: No, uh... You know, maybe maybe over Woods. but continues,
1: uh continues.
3: Yeah. I just think I'm Woods an has asshole. a better chance at volume <laughs> in his offense than Lockett has in his. I mean, I like Lockett better, but if we're being honest, that was probably the deciding factor for me.
1: Uh Yeah, I wouldn't take him over any of those three. After uh, Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, and Rager, would you take any of those three over Lockett? I would not.
2: It depends on how I'm building my team.
1: Rager, it, Rager it, the one question.
2: Uh, you said, "Is it? It's Justin Jefferson." Yeah,
1: Justin Jefferson, Rager. Yeah. yeah.
2: I, if I'm uh, if I'm building a not win now team, and I'm building a, a youthful team, I'd probably take Rager and Jefferson both over him. Okay. But uh, if I'm built, if I'm in, if I'm building win now in a startup, I'm I'm going to take uh, Lockett over the Jefferson and Rager.
1: Uh, Rager would be the one question for me because so I'm really sold on him in Philly, so I, I would probably end up taking him over Lockett. Uh, DK Metcalf, wide receiver, twenty six over or under?
2: Boy, that's, I, I'm going to say
3: I'm going to go over.
2: Yeah, man, I, I think it's I, if it's you know I, I feel like twenty five to twenty seven is the range. Yeah. You know, so I guess I'm going to go over. I'll let Matt influence me.
1: I'm going to go slide under. Okay. Don't blame me. <laughs> I'm going to go slide under. I think uh, I like Metcalf this year. I was big on him last year. I think he's going to be able to, especially if, if Lockett faces any kind of injury, another year in the system, him and, him and Wilson really seemed to have some good chemistry last year. An ADP of 40, wide receiver 18 off the board. Cooper Cup, Cortland Sutton, and Riley – not Riley Ridley, Calvin Ridley, just ahead that's of him.
3: That's Riley Ridley. I will take him over.
1: Oh, Ridley. <laughs> you take taking Metcalf over any of those three. No.
3: Uh, I,
2: I'd i probably take him over Cup.
1: Uh, so would I. I'd actually almost probably take him over Calvin Ridley. but That's yeah. just – he It'd cal- be
2: close, but yeah. I mean, man,
1: the
2: Atlanta, yeah, they're good. They threw, threw the ball like 1100 times last year.
1: Yeah, they're, they're it's, Calvin really gets a lot of work. I just, you know, I just DK got. I wish we
3: could put up some memes, you know, sometimes because you just talked about why you try to win, but you never do. And then you yeah. say things like that. I want to put the meme of Yoda saying, that's why you fail. Yeah,
1: well. <laughs> You know what? I say I, I'm I'm always – I'm on brand, man. They're just guys I don't like, and I'm never going to draft them.
2: Uh, Atlanta threw the ball 684 times last year. That was 51 more times than the next highest passing attempt team, which was Carolina. Um,
1: well, that's just because they were behind like 40 points. Right. Eight. Kyle Allen it's because like they had
3: to play the Falcons and the Buccaneers and the Saints <laughs> for six of their games. They're like, oh my God, Kyle Allen, throw it till your arm comes out of its socket.
1: <laughs> well, that's the other problem. Yeah, you it to the other team too. All right, so right after Metcalf, Diggs, Lamb, and Keenan Allen, you take in uh, any of those three over Metcalf?
3: Here's where I will give you a heart attack. I would take all three. Oh, yeah, three
2: I the I think the, the only one that's a question for me is Diggs.
1: Diggs, oh. yeah, that's where I thought
2: you guys were no, going to get. Um, D- Dallin, uh, Allen gets a shit ton of volume, and I think he'll continue to get a shit ton of volume. And yeah. I, I think Lamb is just a better receiver than Metcalf. Um, but Diggs is, you know, he's going to another – he's in a low-volume offense as well. Um uh, it, it's kind of a coin flip between the two of them.
1: Yeah, I will uh, – I'm I'm with you, man. Again, future NFL MVP Super Bowl award winner Justin Herbert is going to get Keenan Allen the ball, so I'm I'm with you. Uh, Diggs would be the question. I'd still probably – I'd take Metcalf over Diggs, but i love me some CD Lamb and Keenan Allen still a stud, so, so I would take them over Metcalf. Will Disley, tight end 17 in 2020.
3: Over. Yeah, that's – I
2: think uh, he
1: misses at least six weeks. Well, unfortunately, I, Hollister wasn't being drafted, so I had to go with this leaf.
3: No, I, I'm not. And I'm still drafting, especially in Dynasty. I, I still like him long-term, but I think there's a really decent chance he's on the pup list, which gotcha. means it's really going to be hard to make it into that yeah. tight end two range if he well, six is eight it weeks.
1: Though, with tight ends, is it that hard to get to tight end 17 missing that much time? Yeah. I kind of feel like it's not. Uh, well, so Oh, sorry, I don't ahead. know. For,
2: for me, I, I feel like if I'm going to own any any uh, Seahawk tight end on my team, it's probably Hollister mm-hmm. just because he's free.
1: All right, so an ADP of 219, tight end 31, just ahead of him, Gerald Everett, Adam Troutman, and Dawson Knox. You taking him over any of those three?
3: I'm taking him over Everett.
2: Yeah, and I'm probably taking him over Knox as well.
3: I like Knox. I like me some
1: Knox. I'm not ready to claim him yet. Here's the thing. I'm actually with you, Matt, on Knox, but I kind of see the argument over him because what we just talked about with Diggs, they're in a low-volume offense. Allen's probably only going to make, like, one or two. You still got Beasley there. Now Diggs. Like, I kind of feel like that's what hurt Knox so bad last year because he showed great flashes. They just didn't get him the ball enough. That's what worries me about Knox. I love Knox. I'm a Knox truther. Like,
3: it's hard to – to get volume when you play uh, four to six games a season. So Good. I love me some Will Disley during those four to six games a season. But
1: that's true. Okay. Fair enough. Fair point. Just he after Tevin Ingram looks sturdy. <laughs> <laughs> Just after him, Greg Olson, Devin Asi, Asi-, 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 Asi? Yep. Yeah. Asi- Asi. Oh, hell yeah. Good Actually, job. One's. Asi- Asi. It's going to be my favorite tight end now. And Kyle Rudolph, <laughs> who are you taking? Hollister. Hollister? I would right. take Disley over all three of those.
2: Yeah, yeah I think so.
1: Uh, same. So what about Olsen? Because Olsen is technically being – I left – he's obviously the, right after Disley. He's being drafted almost right after Disley. Is Olsen mm. in the picture, or is it all Disley for you guys?
3: You mean are you talking about twenty twenty or long term? Because twenty twenty, I think Olsen will be there. Either or. End up with the highest scoring scores of their type. I games. feel
1: like I feel like every time we answer this with a question mark like that, me or Dennis give that qualifier that it's like, hey, so in twenty twenty, I'm going this guy. But if I'm building long term, I'm going this guy. So you can answer it however you want. Matt.
3: If I'm going long term, I'm not investing in Greg Olsen. I think okay. all three of us thought there was a real good chance he was going to end up in the broadcast booth, especially when he started calling the XFL games. He was an excellent color person in those games. He made those games incredibly fun to watch. I was shocked he signed to play again. Maybe he knew the league was going to fold and everybody was going to get quarantined and he'd
1: have to go yeah. back. But, that, or, that or ESPN stupidly hasn't offered him the chance to do Monday Night Football yet. So, I know. So
3: I, I think that, you know, he's, he's a one-year investment. But I think they made that investment. And he – weighed his offers and weighed his broadcasting offers and chose Seattle because I think he sees potential to be, uh, you know, a veteran piece on a team making a run for a Super Bowl, And I think that's what Seattle sees him as too. I like, you know, what we saw of Hollister uh, too, but I, I think they are focused on Olsen and trying to get Disley back. There was even their spend talk, even that Olsen and Disley might play, they might play more 12 personnel. Uh, you know, so I think he's the one he you know, provided that he doesn't go out early in the season again is the one that's going to finish as the highest score in 2020. I just don't if you're playing dynasty, that's a guy you scoop up because you want to have somebody to play a tight end in 2020 because you have a lot of development guys on your roster.
1: All right, well, that'll do it for us on the NFC West first part here with San Francisco and Seattle. We'll be back on the 29th to talk about the Rams and why am I forgetting who the last team is? I must forget who the last is. And team the
3: Cardinals. Is. It's and hard. I think we we know after today, Robert Woods will not be joining us for that discussion. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, I reached out. <laughs> not really a fan of what we talked about today. So, uh, yeah, we'll hey, talk. I
3: defended you, Robert. We can one-on-one later.
1: Oh, yeah, old Bobby Trees. Me, me and Matt, the maths were on your side here. But uh, we'll be back again next Thursday with uh, – we'll be doing our top QB rankings. Maybe we'll add something else in there. Depends on how quickly we get through those top 12. Uh, but we uh, look forward to talking to you guys again. Remember, this podcast will drop on Monday. So you guys will be hearing this on Monday. Thank you for everybody who dropped by, and everybody have yourselves a good weekend.
2: Right on, it.
0: Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn red. If you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown! I would be honored if you played football this. Throw up above his head. They can't jump and lead. Golly. Oh, they tackle
1: him in the corner. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can. I can.